19, 17, 16, 15, 14, 12, 10, 11, 10, uh, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! It's Geek Stuff! TNG. What the fuck is a reboot? We're gonna be rolling out a lot of new things. We're the stars of this piece of shit. Oh, hell yeah. I am the same. It doesn't matter what your name is. No one of consequence. You can find me on Xbox at Fat Dumbledore. <laughs> you know what keeps going through my head? Where's my sandwich? To all who come to this happy place, welcome. I am West Coast. How the hell did I get roped into this? Show me what you got. Scotty, beam me up. The force is strong with this one. And I am Big Kev. Hail to the king, baby. Yo, that kid Monty is fired. I have Amigo Isis action figure. Almighty Isis. And here we go. COVID Scott. Oh. Yeah, West COVID Scott joining us today. And also, um, um, uh, what's your name again up there? Uh, oh, you're going to okay. try to make that happen? I don't have that I'm queued trying. up. I don't have I'm that queued trying. up. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. Hold on. Right, let, me, let me hit pause. You, you up there, uh, what, 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 what is your name? What is your name, son? The same. It doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was the bit. That was that was oh, so not yeah. worth it after all of that. Pulling but... the curtain, we've been on hold for exactly an hour and a half trying to set up this bit. <laughs> Scott will edit it in post and make it work. Yeah, it'll sound beautiful. Just just take out all. I his had enough time to go grocery talk. shopping and come home and make a lovely dinner for my family before the bit was done. Yeah, no. I mean that's still going on. Uh, Kev's WWE uh, in- introduction to you after the big crash sandwich episode, uh, which I think was our crash final episode sandwich. of the year. Uh, and I wanted to put that on the sandwich shop, but there wasn't a sandwich shop over the holiday, so we wanted to use it somewhere. But I definitely got to have the Rock uh, saying it doesn't matter as a drop, so that's going to go yeah, when we when we get the new. That's mixer. pretty funny. Yeah, we'll we'll do that one. <clears throat> so, did you say sandwich that the COVID found your household over the holidays just like it did the uh, West COVID Scott household? Yes, West COVID Scott's house got infected. So, we found out Christmas Eve night that my youngest sister had COVID. So we had planned to go to the house uh, Christmas, but that had to change. So that was fun. And then and the day is... after Christmas, my phone broke, so I had to get a new phone. And new phone, uh, that I remember. That I remember because Scott threw me into a panic. 
<laughs> so I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we we had our Christmas uh, at uh, at the wife's grandmother's house as per usual, but this time Abuela. Yeah, sir. at Abuela's house, and everybody we actually call her G Mom. Everybody that was there, all the adults took a test that day. All adults tested negative. All adults that were in attendance were vaccinated. Most of them were boosted. And yet uh, one of the kids got it. And therefore, pretty much everybody that was there ended up getting COVID. Luckily, again, we're very thankful that it was uh, pretty mild. But, I mean, we're still, I mean, I'm still coming off the other side of it right now. What are you trying to do? I'm picking up the glare. It's just weird. I'll just adjust it as we go. That's all. Um, I, as far as I know, did not get COVID. <laughs> so, you know, knock on wood. Go to the beach or something? Yet. What's that? Would you like go to the beach for a day? No, I worked, sir. I oh, worked okay. on both holidays. Thank you very much. I, I worked on uh, New Year's no, Eve. No, you did Christmas that's Eve. Not, that's, not, that's not a holiday. <laughs> New Year's Eve's not a holiday? No. Technically, the eves are not the holiday. It's New That's Year's right. Day. It's Christmas Thank Day. Thank you very much, holiday. Scott, for the defense. Thank you very much. Hey, when you're right, you're right. I mean, it's a weak defense. It's definitely it's an unofficial definite holiday. It is a deal. No one goes out for New Year's Day, but they go out for New Year's Eve. Right, but that's not till Eve, so you can finish working and then go out. You don't need the day off of New Year's Eve. You need New Year's Day off to recover from New Year's Eve. I differ, but yeah. we can all have different opinions. That's yeah. part of having a show. I, right. I, I think this yeah, is going to be part of the joy of the show. Yeah, there's not a ton of news, but there's a bunch oh, of stuff to talk about. So let's uh, let's let me jump in with the the social medias and the plugs and everything before we get started, and then we can get back in there. Um, jump in the uh, the uh, the feed for our Patreon people because oh, it, I need to get that fun with filters. Uh, no, no, no fun that. filters. Today it's fun with focus. Focus. Uh, while Kev is doing that, I will remind you that you can follow the show on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters. It's all Geek Stuff TNG on all those places. You can interact with the show by calling the GVM line. 201-730-2547. Or you can send us an email. At geeksoftng at gmail.com. And you might hear yourself or hear your email read on a future episode of TNG. You can also support the show over on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash geekstufftng. For a dollar a month, you can be part of the Discord where you can interact and chat with the members of the show. Uh, for $3 a month, you get the early bird special. So you get these episodes pretty much the day after we record, which is normally Tuesday. Today, we are starting off the year right by recording a day late and recording on Tuesday. Uh, so this should go out on Wednesday uh, for five dollars a month. Myself, I do too. For five dollars a month, it's the bonus round where you get the sandwich shops and the vintage episodes of Geeks, Big Kev's Geek Stuff. Uh, and then for ten dollars a month, you can watch all of the fun with filters and fun with focus over on the Instagram Live as and the long pauses as Scott tries to pull production into the uh, into the episodes over on Instagram Live. Where is where is my uh, where is my little rascals? Uh, show opener oh my god i got i've got to work on a couple of new show openers i've got some ideas in there so uh we are at episode what episode is this kev 664 five 665 and uh i my goal what? is to have what, a new what, what, what is it 665 
665. Right, cool. So next episode is 666. But my goal is to have a new, like a new intro, a new opener for episode 700. Oh. Put it, put it in stone. I've, I've made the commitment. Write that down, sandwich. Yes. Right on it, boss. Right, right away, boss. You know, you know, fun with filters would be a lot more fun if the filters were working on my iPad for some reason. That's weird why that's happening. Well, so it's not all fun with it's with filters today. It's, just, it's, it's not fun. It's no fun with filters. Not, well, it's it's a little fun, but it's like it's work not, with filters. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like laboring uh, with filters. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's doing this. It's, this light. Do we do do we do news on this program? I think it's we should a, do some it's news. Been a minute. No. It's been a while. I think well we'll call it that. Let's do production and if nothing else. Geek stuff. What's in the news? I mean, should we start with the sad news from right before the new year? Miss I, I, Betty yeah. White did not make it into 2022. And just what 17 days short of her 100th birthday or something yeah which was going to be televised there was i mean i think the celebratory episode issue of people magazine celebrating her 100th year i think had already gone out in the mail um yeah i mean it's it's just i mean it's sad but i mean you can't expect people to live forever but i think people had big hopes for uh miss betty white and she didn't quite make it yeah it's too bad Betty White was what eighty years in TV or something. Yeah, something like that. She had some enormous career, uh, you know, spanning all sorts of decades, all the decades of TV. I think she started when TV was brand new, if I remember correctly. So yeah, Betty White's quite a loss. Quite a loss. Quite a talent. Quite a loss. And you know, I kind of love the fact that all the news reports attribute her sort of comeback to that Snickers commercial. She got tackled. Yeah. Where she gets (laughs) tackled and the guy goes, you're out there playing like Betty white and Betty white goes, that's not what your girlfriend said or something like that. (laughs) And I was like, that's funny shit. And then also, you know, you know, various you know, different roles and things that she, she did over time. Uh, it was actually, I think it was that commercial, which actually launched the letter writing campaign slash uh, online petition to get her to host SNL, which she did. And if you've not seen that episode, you really should, because she's brilliant, yeah, even I, at whatever she was. I believe they aired that this last Saturday as a as I a think they did, yeah. And that was a, I'm sure she had to be 80 something at that point, right? Because that wasn't that like 10 years ago. So she had to be 80 something. Uh, and that was, and she was brilliantly funny in that, I thought also. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many things like uh, she, she had that running thing with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, she had like <laughs> this running gag thing with Ryan Reynolds uh, ever since the movie. I feel like it was called The Proposal or something. I don't know yeah, what. Yeah, her and Sandra Bullock. Yeah, and there was like some behind the scenes thing where I don't know, I don't know exactly what that is. You gotta you gotta like look for it on YouTube. It's some like behind the scenes thing where where you know, like I think Sandra Bullock, I feel like she was a producer on that movie. And so like I think they had Betty White pretending to be like this diva and ordering 
like Ryan Reynolds around or something like that. And he was just like, you know, not having it. And Betty White was like, I don't understand why he treats me this way. I'm just an old woman or something. It was really funny. Whatever the fuck it was, it was really fucking funny. Um, that movie, I think, was called The Proposal. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. And yeah, and that was actually a really, I thought it was a really funny movie also, just for the record. I, I think and, another one was uh, Lake Placid. Do you remember Lake Placid? Yeah. About where, the giant yeah, alligator? She, yeah, where she was like raising the giant alligator. I think that was before the Snickers commercial, though. I think that was a little bit longer ago. Yeah, I, I think the thing about that was, you know, she has this, uh, she's known for playing these kind of, uh, delightfully ditzy, sweet type of characters, and so the Lake Placid, she was kind of ornery and 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 not yeah. not a sweet character, but still really no. very funny. I think that was kind of a the a, the the a change for yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, really, really a sad uh, a, a sad way to end twenty one, not begin twenty two, because it happened in twenty one. Yes, so. that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. So I think we are past the embargo for uh, a few things that we can talk about. Oh, good. Uh, do you want to start with Spider-Man, Hawkeye, or The Matrix? Let's start with Hawkeye because I think that's first. Okay. So what we're going to talk about now is now we can talk about Hawkeye completely as a series. Yes. And we can also specifically talk about the last episode and why it was amazing. And it was amazing because they brought back Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, and he fucking ruled. He ruled. There yeah. is no other person alive who can play that part. I mean, he really gives you that believability of that he's just that strong because he's big, right? I mean, that's that yeah. was one, that's one of the things with Kingpin. He technically, yeah. in the comics, doesn't technically have superpowers. He's just supposed no. to be all muscle, right? Yeah. And what I think what I think... It feels like to me what they've done with Vincent D'Onofrio is it feels like they're shooting him from lower angles. They probably have lifts in his shoes, I'm imagining, or they're digitally somehow embiggening him a little bit <laughs> because he like, I mean, he looks massive. And I met Vincent D'Onofrio. I have a picture somewhere of Vincent D'Onofrio. He's not that big. You know, like, I'm, I mean, he's like a, don't get me wrong. He's like a beefy guy. Don't get me wrong. He's, 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 but he's not like, I mean, he's towering over everyone else in that cast, like six, like my height, like six, five, six, six. He's enormous on screen. And I think they have to be manipulating that image somehow, either digitally or using practical effects or practical trickery like shooting him from lower angles or putting lifts in his shoes I, i'm sure they're padding out his clothing again not a small guy but he is he's massive in that show in, yeah. in those shows they should say yeah I, I like the addition of uh of his cane like they because they didn't ever have that in in daredevil i don't remember it at least and so i like that addition to the i don't yeah i don't remember if they had it in daredevil or not i don't think they did you're right and i like that too and i also like that the outfit he was wearing in the, in the majority of the episode was actually from was from a spider-man comic the white suit with the red flowered hawaiian shirt right is actually from a spider-man comic it's actually on the cover i can't remember what issue it is but you can google it you yeah. can google it and Ca see casual kingpin 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Wilson casual Fisk. Right, yeah. And let's talk about why it was amazing. It was amazing because, because this now brings at least that character into the MCU. And I think what we're meant to do is for those of us that have seen Daredevil, I think we're meant to understand that it's the character from that show and that although they have the opportunity at any point to tweak anything that happened in that period, I don't know that they will. I think they'll accept as rote what has already happened on the Daredevil show, at least in regards to the characters that they bring from that show, which kind of will bring us into Spider-Man in a minute. But before we do that, we should say Hawkeye ended strong. Absolutely. It, it, it was it was just, it was great. I, I do want to address the, uh, you know, Hawkeye's wife a little bit. I want to talk about that. But I just feel like it okay. really, it really did give you good, good character development. It made you, you know, you cared about everybody all along. It sets up, you know, all those things we've been talking about, like Young Avengers and right. an Echo even. And, and of course, I mean, I think that even the final, the Kingpin's finale in Hawkeye is right out of the Hawkeye comic book, right? That I, that I don't recall. Um, I can't, I can't speak to that. I'll speak to something else you said though, which is that um, I like Echo as a character and I'm interested that she is getting her own show. Um, and I'm interested how she's going to interact with a bunch of different characters. But again, part of that conversation we have to keep for the moment because we want to finish talking about Hawkeye before we move on. Okay. Also, um, the you know Yelena was a lot of fun in you know from when she showed up and I think I think she was mostly she started in episode five but then you know her fight with uh, Haley Stanfield uh, with Kate was a lot of fun although I kind of feel like why is she pulling her punches she just must like Kate too much I guess that's the implication right well and you know and that she views Kate as a kid who she probably could snap like a twig and she's not. I don't get the impression that Florence Pugh's Yelena is out to just kill anyone who gets in her way. I think she's focused. And I think in the, in this particular case, she's focused on killing Clint. And so therefore, you know, it, she's not trying. I mean, she could have killed any number of things that got in her way yeah. in the series. And she didn't, you know, she could have killed Kate when she had that lovely visit with her. In her in her old apartment, like the, I mean, there's any number of different times where Yelena could have killed her. Yelena's a Black Widow; she could kill anyone on that show. You know, like it's it's. There's no doubt about that. If we are taking her as Natasha's sort of equal, if you will, for lack of a better expression, everyone on that show has a reason to be concerned. Mm -hmm. If she's coming after you. I think she's, first of all, I think Florence Pugh is adorable and really funny. If you watch any of the stuff, like the real life interviews and things, she's really adorable. Um, second, I thought she was another, another stellar performance in this. But again, as far as timeline goes, I wonder where her involvement is. Is her involvement with uh, Fisk, Kingpin? Is and and is that relationship through Julia Louis uh, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character because she's clearly recruited at some point 
by that character. And now we have her and John Walker. It's like they're making the fake Avengers. Yeah. You know? And so I'm wondering, you know, and what is it? You know, we've talked about this. Is it the Thunderbolts? Is that where it's going to, is that how it's going to play out? Like, where is this going? Is what I'm saying. And so until we, until we know that more for certain, we just kind of got to like everything else. We just kind of kind of ride along and, and see where it goes. And speaking of where it goes, Oh, by the way, end credit sequence. <laughs> Thank you, Marvel. Thank you. And, and we were wrong, Scott. Uh, what's his name was not playing Captain America. No, he was just a, a, a citizen of New York, Adam he Pascal. Was just a dude. Yeah, yeah. Adam Pascal was so just a dude. Back when you when you first sent the the link to the full song, as soon as I right. listened to it, because I didn't notice it when I watched when you got the little bit of the song in the first episode. Right. But when you sent the link to the full music, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, that's Adam Pascal from Rent. And, yeah. and then, yeah, when you get to see the full number, he's just, he's a, a citizen of New York singing about it. And then I also saw somebody saying, hey, you know, over right next to Avengers Campus in Disneyland is the uh, is the theater where they used to play the, the Frozen show. Why not go ahead and stage the entire... Uh, Why not? You know, Avengers musical. I mean, you know, everybody's got their fingers crossed that they're just going to go ahead and finish the job. I doubt, got one song. I doubt it's going to happen. It would be amazing if it did. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, so we'll thank Marvel for that. I'll thank them for that because that was just that was such a wonderful treat. Uh, and for an end credit sequence, it was really great. Let's move on. Let's stick with Marvel, but we'll move on to Spider-Man: No Way Home. Fucking brilliant! Yeah. Sandwich, your thoughts? It was gosh darn phenomenal. It was amazing. It's funny because I think we talked about it. Everything they said, and you said this, everything that they said they would do, they they actually fucking did it. Like, it's not like anything's like, oh, they might do this. No, they did do it. <laughs> it, it happened. Everything yeah. that they said would happen would happen. And it was great. And nothing felt forced to me. Like, I didn't feel like they were like, oh, let's just throw this in there. It's like, oh, this is organically going to just fit in this movie and yep. make sense none of it felt like it's like oh we have to throw this bit in there it's like hey this bit will just flow into this movie naturally and find its point it was great and it makes me question like in an excited way it's like oh w- w- what's next what are we doing next like where does this go well, where's this lead yeah well we we don't want to give well it's been two weeks i mean so no, we could way more than two weeks plot. Yeah. we could discuss plot but we'll we we'll, we'll kind of we'll keep you know a kind of a half a lid on it if you will we'll put saran on it which isn't exactly a lid but you know you we see the contents was covered it. yeah yeah that's that's good sandwich that's i mean good, yeah uh, if you don't know fun. the generalities of who shows up in it by this point you're really good at avoiding spoilers i guess i would say yeah i guess and at this point if you haven't seen it what the hell are you doing so yeah. um that said i found and you may disagree I found it to be Andrew Garfield's possibly one of his finest acting films ever. It's pushing us an amazing Spider-Man three because people are like, it was so great. I want more of this. Yeah. I mean, that rumor went around right away that, uh, that, you know, is it possible we could see another Andrew Garfield Spider-Man film? And I pray not, but (laughs) um, I found his performance in this one 
absolutely brilliant. I thought he was, I th- again, I thought it was the best acting I've seen him do possibly in anything. I mean, he was really good. Like I felt, I felt all of those things that he wanted us to feel that that character wanted us to feel. Mm-hmm. I felt those things. And I was just like, where the fuck was this during those amazing Spider-Man? I'm not saying he was a bad actor in those movies or anything, but this movie is clearly better done. Well, uh, uh, better made, better written than those movies were mm-hmm. um, because he is phenomenal in this. That's one of the thoughts that I had. Well, I, I, let me let me jump in there real quick. It's not, you know, the yep. feelings, the feels that you're talking about, though, it's not just Andrew Garfield that made you feel the feels, right? I mean, it did a great job of, you know, uh, from all the different characters, you know, when, again, not to get too spoilery, but people get different kinds of resolution and you really feel it. It feels like unresolved issues from these other movies yeah. get get closure in a very satisfying way. So, I mean, again, it, it's it's very much fan service to do it. And I, I worry that that much fan service might lead to it being overdone. It, I feel like they did it just right in this. But I'm yeah. concerned. I'm concerned that it might start a trend to where the fan service goes overboard, right? Because you basically, as a fan, all again, like all the rumors, everything, everything you could have wanted, you got, and so now it's going to be, well, I didn't get everything I want. I'm going to be mad going forward. Are they going to just give the fans everything that they want and sacrifice? No, I, story? I think, I think they'll give the fan service where it's appropriate and yep. not forced. Right. Dot. Over on the Patreon says definitely better written. Yeah, hundred percent better written than those Andrew Garfield movies and all of the characters, not just Andrew Garfield. Holy shit, Jamie Fox. Oh yeah, way better written in this movie than he was in the other movie. Way better, and without losing the character, you still have all the key tenets of the character available. But in, in just in a better written form, I just thought, wow, this is really well done. And let, let's go a step deeper. I mean, I don't know how you get better than um, than Alfred Molina's performance in the original Spider-Man, too. But he was great in this also. And on that note, Willem Dafoe Amazing. finally becoming the Green Goblin we all wanted him to be. Uh, uh, 75 years ago in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie without that that fucking ridiculous Power Rangers suit on. Finally. He was so he's great. The Willem Green Dafoe Goblin. was so great, though. Just, just I love to, to, I love when you can just see the character change in his face, right? You know, yeah. okay, here's Norman, here, here's the Goblin, and you can yeah. see it, and it's fantastic. And it's, you know, and again, another brilliant performance, but let's, you know, let's talk about Let's talk about whoever the Sony executive is sitting in the movie theater going, oh, God damn it. We didn't need that suit. Look at that man's (laughs) face. Yeah. All he was lacking was green makeup. If they had put green makeup on him, he would have looked exactly like the Green Goblin from the comic books, or at least as as close to a human version as we're going to get. You know, and with the sort of the tattered outfit in purple and green, you know, like they tried their very best to be representative of that character. Um, I mean, as far as classic representation goes and to sort of abandon 
uh, at ease and with will that robotic that that Power Ranger suit from that movie. Um, and, you know, like Sandman was kind of, you know, who cares? Thomas is a Thomas Hayden. Church, Thomas Hayden Church. And I also read that he was actually never on set. That's why he was in his yes. kind of sand form most of the time, because he wanted to be a part of it. But scheduling wouldn't let him be on set. Yeah. So that so, you know, he, yeah. he was he actually and, voiced it, but he was never present. Yeah. There. And he was also uh, and he was also a mail in performance, just like he was in the previous movie. So I was like, so what? And Lizard, same thing. I was like, so? Yeah, you know, it, like he was also he, not present on set. And and so it's like it, you could feel it like they wanted him in there, but yeah. he wasn't available. So he felt like he was just kind of pushed off to the side. I think that's yeah. probably the weakest of all of the extra characters that came into it. I feel like the Lizard was the weakest and it and that suffered from the actor not being available. Let's talk about there's a lot of fan service and a lot of joking around between the Spider-Mans. <laughs> Spiders, man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. There's a lot of joking around. Andrew Garfield says that he fought a guy in a in a tin rhino like whatever he said. Yeah. Yeah. I found a I, yeah, I fought a Russian guy in a rhino suit. Yeah, that was really brilliant. I mean, and there are a number of different little things like that that I thought were really not only their fan service, yes, and sometimes fan service gets a bad name, but not in this movie. Now, I think it was just enough. I think it was appropriate. I think it was organic, and it wasn't forced. You know, let let me let me give you a forced example. I'll give you a forced example. So you know what I mean when I say forced. In ironically. The Force Awakens, right? When they're in the Falcon and they're down in the maintenance shaft of the Falcon and uh, uh, Finn is looking for something and he pulls up the lightsaber trainer ball and looks at it like, and then tosses it, you know, behind him or whatever he does with it. That's forced fan service. You know, we get it. That scene took place in this part of this ship uh you know and uh you know that that's that that took place and that's it was but it was forced there was no organic reason for that to happen it I has mean, nothing you can to argue, do with the plot or the current story yeah so. you can argue that it that it, you know it maybe it was maybe it's been on the ship for 30 years 40 years whatever the hell the time difference is maybe maybe there is but um uh that seemed to me forced Whereas making a joke about the rhino didn't seem forced. Making joke a joke about the fact that Toby Maguire is shooting webs organically. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Because the because the new Spider-Man are asking all the questions that all the fans had back when yeah. it came out, yep. right? That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, in in so many brilliant ways, the, the most brilliant of, of fan services. I also love, and this is this is this is almost this is this is almost brilliant fan service when Andrew Garfield saves MJ. Absolutely. That's the oh, yeah. resolution, right? That that's that what gets you in the field. Possibly right? that was possibly one of the most brilliant moments in the film. You know, because he gets her this time and oh, he yeah. didn't get Gwen. So, I mean, there's that, obviously. That that kind of stuff also as far as plot goes. Isn't, all isn't of that, that a, stuff. That's a major point in the in the Spider-Man comics as well, right? I mean, he 
that same thing happens with MJ at some point in the Spider-Man, and he several saves times, her, right? I mean, yeah, because yeah. because of the experience with Gwen, he has to, yeah, you know, he has to learn and move forward and be able to make the catch the next the next time, right? Let's uh, uh, let's talk briefly about sort of the end of the movie and why it's important. Oh well, we've missed one obvious thing within the first ten minutes of the movie. Charlie Cox Matt shows Murdoch. up as Matt Murdock. I mean, very he catches briefly. a brick. Does, isn't it a brick or a rock coming through the window? He catches yeah, like a brick, it without yeah. looking. You know, he just kind of snatches it out of the air. And they all go, how'd you do that? And he goes, I'm a very good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. So hopping back to our Kingpin conversation from a few minutes ago, Charlie Cox Daredevil now present in the MCU. To what end? We don't know. But he's there. And I imagine what we're going to see, just like Kingpin, I think we're going to see Kingpin, and I think we're going to see Charlie Cox just pop up all over the place. I mean, it, it very MCU much makes shows. sense in, in She-Hulk, yeah. right? But, you know, and, it's, and it's also going to make a lot of sense based on the ending of Spider-Man. So if you haven't seen it, now's the time for you to just scan ahead a little bit. But if you haven't seen it, I mean, honestly, what are you waiting for? You know, I've seen it twice on an island with one movie theater. <laughs> let, and let it's me only this... showed here. It's only showed here 12 times, and I've seen two of them. So just saying. Attention. The following information is considered spoiler material. Yeah, so there you go. You've been warned. So basically, Peter has to give up in order to seal the rifts in the multiverse, which are dumping anybody who knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man from any universe into our universe. In order to do this, nobody can ever know that he was Spider-Man, not even Stephen Strange. That includes MJ and Ned and everyone. No one can know. And so he does it. And so at the end of the movie, we have MJ and Ned sitting in the donut place that MJ works in. We have Peter walk in and Peter, I think that Tom Holland and Zendaya's goodbye scene was also really brilliant and well done. Mm -hmm. Because Stephen Strange says, you have like two minutes to go and say your goodbyes. And he promises her up down and sideways he promises zendaya that he's going to find her and tell her that he's spider-man and, and all these things and of course when he gets to them her and ned when he gets to them he doesn't do it and right. he doesn't do it for the most noble reason it's the same reason peter in the comics doesn't tell anybody because he knows he's putting them in danger if they know he's spider-man so how long is that going to last? Who yeah. knows? Who knows? And since nobody knows that he's Spider-Man, there's no suit. So at the end of the movie, we see Tom Holland, Peter Parker in a tiny little, in a tiny little apartment, right? And he is, uh, they pan past a sewing machine with some very comic book inspired 
red and fabric blue, red and blue colors. And we see a very comic inspired, uh, inspired Spider-Man swinging out the window at the end of the film. So what does this mean? Well, I think, I think the idea that he is the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is now set in stone. And what I mean by that is I think we've seen the last of Tom Holland in MCU movies because he's no longer a part of the MCU because they have no idea who he is. They don't know who he is. I I feel like this, this whole trilogy of Spider-Man movies led up to a perfect ending to eliminate all the problems we had with bringing in Spider-Man without showing a, 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 an origin, giving him all the Stark tech, making it, you yeah. know, like, like, well, no, we don't get all of the fun neighborhood Spider-Man stuff that we want. We don't get broke, yeah. broke ass Peter Parker, you know, with no money trying to, trying to scrounge Taking by. his own picture. Right. And so. And, and selling it to the, the Daily Bugle. We don't get any of that. Well, now we can have all of that. Yeah. And, and even if there wasn't another movie, it sets it up so that you know that anything that you wanted out of Spider-Man that you feel like you didn't get you know would happen next. And again, I'm assuming that they will make more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Yeah, but... they're, yeah, they're definitely going to make more. The question here is, is where are they going to go from here? Yeah. yeah, street level stories. Yes, and isn't it, don't, don't we already know this? Isn't Aaron Taylor Johnson been cast as Craven? Uh, but Craven for like a Craven movie, isn't it? No, uh-uh. it's Craven for a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was just like a Craven spinoff or I don't know. I don't know. I thought is it was it? I thought it was gonna be Craven by himself, but so that would be oh, maybe it maybe be it is gonna be Craven by himself, but that uh, that's all that is is a setup for him to you know be kind of part of that new local spider-verse sandwich. So so my question for with Spider-Man and kind of all this together, does this make Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? like a sony verse canon thing now because they're real like where are they canon somewhere and we just don't know where they They, are yet no they're they're canon technically they would be canon in the mcu Mm -hmm. in in a different universe but in the mcu yeah they're in in a different universe yeah exactly yeah Yeah. they're in a different universe but because they have appeared in my opinion because they have appeared in an mcu film they are part of the MCU universe. Let me put it in a way that you'll um, better understand, Sandwich. If they did Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man toys, yeah. I would have to get them. <laughs> yes. And you would have that, to keep them that, in the archives. That's exactly true. You know, and we never know. That could happen. All right. Or, yeah. you know, do I have to bounce back and find, you know, some Marvel Legends or Legends type figures of those characters, although I can't really think of, I can't think of an unmasked version of either of them. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just don't yeah. remember. Can, so um, can I, can that's I, can, my opinion on that. Can I nitpick something? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. So everybody that came into the universe, it was because they knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Yeah. Why was Venom there? Yeah. Okay. So let's, yeah, I was about to get into Venom because I think this is where they screwed up. Yeah, they did. And I'm wondering if there's a way to explain why Venom is there that may be explained at a later time. Meaning 
is is venom you know the you, you have to remember the venom movie did you guys see the venom movie i have not the seen the venom one? movie Second. The new one. so in the movie i i don't care if i'm spoiling it at the end of the movie is where the sort of universe shift takes place right and venom appears to say he did it well venom well yeah but I think the important part of that scene, though, Sandwich, is not that he says that he did it or that he's responsible for it. Whether he is or isn't, that's not what's important. It's what he says is, is important. That he has universes of knowledge inside of him. And to share one bit of it with uh, Tom Hardy uh, would blow his mind. That's the whole reason that Tom Hardy says, go ahead, blow my mind. And yes, that shift happens either while he's doing it, before he's doing it or whatever. So it's entirely possible that through some convoluted um, multiverse angle or other that Venom knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It's convoluted and I don't think it works very well. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because what they did at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home is what's really baffling. And that is... They zapped Tom Holland out of that universe. Hardy. Tom Hardy. Sorry. They, they zapped Tom Hardy out of that universe. Well, what was the purpose of bringing him in? What You didn't well, see the little bit of venom that dropped that's, on that's the- That's it. On because the, you get the there. tiny bit. Yeah. You get the tiny bit of, of symbiote that is left behind. Well, why the fuck does that happen? Well, it happens from a plot perspective because- at some point, I imagine that symbiote's going to make his way to Peter. And I can kind of already see what they might do with it. The angle might be he doesn't have the super suit and he doesn't have the Stark tech anymore. But that, you know, but that Venom suit will certainly act like a super powered suit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's entirely possible that they use that whole Tom Hardy universe jump to put a drip of that into the Tom Holland universe. I mean, yeah, you, Entirely you, possible. Can, you can just re reboot the origin of Venom in the Tom Holland universe. And it doesn't matter where we know where it came from, but nobody Correct. else needs to know, Hey, there's just, Correct. Oh, here's this stuff that we found and we make end up making a new Spidey suit out of it. Because yeah. again, in the, in the comics, it came from the beyonder, right? It was on you know yeah. battle planet, right? It was not. Well, yeah, it was, it was from somewhere. He didn't create it. Right. Well, I, I think mean, he pulled I, it. I feel like in the in the Secret Wars, when the Beyonder took everybody to Battle Planet, he they were letting like the Beyonder gave them the ability to like create weapons or create stuff that they needed for whatever battle was coming in the Secret War. And Peter made a suit that would not ever run out of web no, fluid. I believe. I don't think that's it. And then and then well, this is this, what my remembrance of it is. That's where it came from. And for years and years and years, it was just the suit. And it was like, you know, magic or whatever from the Beyonder. And then at some point they said, oh, no, it's actually a living thing. It's a symbiote. Like, that's what it evolved into Venom is my, what I remember. I don't, I don't recall that at all because he ditched it. Well, yeah, I mean, he has the suit for a while. And I think there are changes in his personality. And that's when ultimately he has to ditch the suit in what? Web of number one, right? Web of Spider-Man number one. Wasn't that the one where he ditched the symbiote? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's when you then start to get the Venom saga. That oh, it was alive. It was bonding with him, and it I can't think live it without was, him. I think they, I think they definitely made reference to that before that period. But I, I mean, I could be totally wrong. So, 
I could be totally wrong about that. If you but, know where Spider-Man got his black suit in the comics, call the GVM line. 201-730-2547. And, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, I think now what we're going to do is we're going to get street-level stories of Tom Holland. Maybe it's Craven. Maybe it's some of the other characters that are kicking around. Venom at some you know, point. Maybe it's Morbius. Maybe it's Venom or at least a black suit at some point um, or other things. I mean, who knows? Yeah. yeah, I think at some point they'll they'll. De- I don't know if they do it in the next in theory, Tom Holland movie. They're going to introduce MJ back at some point. That'll be a whole thing. Introducing Ned and MJ back, I think. Um, I mean, you'd hope. Yes. And then I also think and I say this because maybe i'm just semi hopeful and semi don't want it you know when do we start bringing other properties that have been dis like discredited by marvel back into the mcu when do we if we do do we bring a luke cage in do we bring a punisher in do we bring a jessica jones in right not saying it's those guys i like the luke cage i like the punisher but that's just me like where do we stop and say like all right no more or where do we say, okay, keep doing it? <laughs> it's, I think the answer is if they're going to tell street level stories with street level characters like Spider Man, Daredevil, Moon Knight, Kingpin, Punisher, Jessica Jones, Power Man, Iron Fist, if they're going to tell street level stories like that, probably going to happen in the TV format. Yes. With yes. the occasional with the occasional, shall we say, Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, perhaps featuring some of those characters. I think that's what we're gonna get. I don't know. I'm hoping we get something, but I I, I honestly don't know. I think at this point they're trying to just make sure that people know. And, and it is from my perspective, two of the three heavy hitters in that lineup are now MCU. You know. It's Kingpin and Daredevil. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, are they going to bring the John Barenthal Punisher in? Right. You know, it, that it comes, is naturally, in my opinion, that is naturally the third biggest guy on that roster. Yeah. It, 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 I think it depends on if they want to tell more stories, right? If they wanted to tell more Punisher stories, why would you switch from Barenthal? He did such a great job. The question is, are they going to want to do more Punisher stories? And that kind of, you, you feel like at the street level, they probably could. But maybe they're done with uh, Danny Rand and Iron Fist. Maybe, you know, they're not going to. So, so they could. If they needed to have him show up, they could have the same actor show up or not. Who cares? They're not going to do more Iron Fist stories, right? Or if right. they say, well, we really want to do more Iron Fist stories. We're going to, uh, you know, uh, we're going to wrap that in with some some Shang-Chi stuff you know, to do the, the, the more the Kung Fu angle. Right. But we didn't like the actor that played Danny Rand, so we're going to recast. I mean, it, or they can say, well, we're going to do it and we'll make that character less important. So we'll keep the same actor and we'll go a different route with it. I mean, it's going to depend on what stories they want to tell, whether they recast or not. But I feel like, again, back to fan service, if they just need Iron Fist to show up for a quick cameo, please don't recast. Just let us let, let's bring those yeah. stories in, right? If they need yeah, you know, Jessica I'm Jones to show up. and Because, again, I also thought that uh, the Luke Cage show was excellent. I liked all of it. I liked all of those things. Iron Fist was, I feel like, the weakest link of the chain. But I felt like uh, Luke Cage was a very strong show. 
Yeah, I agree. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, moving on. We should have did this in segment two, but since we're already in, <laughs> let's uh, uh, let's talk Matrix and then and then go to break. What about there's other things though? Oh my God, Alexa's trying to get on the podcast. Alexa, stop. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said we should have did this. We should have did this during the second half because we we have other things. We have the Matrix. We have Book of Boba Fett. Episode one is now beyond our. Is it? Yeah. As of the time they hear this. Yeah. Because the new episode is tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Episode two would be tomorrow. Yeah. So we can talk about episode one. And we should. But maybe we should take a break. Okay. Well, you know, I feel like this show is going to be a little different than the normal format just because there's not a ton of news but there's a lot of stuff so let's do that let's take us to a break um what do you want to call the episode oh boy catching up sounds good and with that west covid scott and the sandwich i don't know we don't have a covid name for the sandwich Uh, We will take our first and only break on this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode 665, the one before Satan, Uh, and we're calling it Catching Up, and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah! We need to get the word out that the listeners can be involved with Geek Stuff TNG directly by using our GVM line. 201-730-2547. Hmm. Maybe we could use our seductive voices? Huh? Our what? All right. Here. Let's read these lines in our most seductive voices. Like this. Hey there. We want you to be a part of Geek Stuff TNG with your questions and your hmm comments. Oh, <clears throat> that's right. We want you to tell us what's hmm on your mind, what we are doing that you <laughs> like. <coughs> So call us on the GVM line, 201-730-2547, and you may hear yourself on an upcoming episode of Geek Stuff TNG. (laughs) Wow. Wow. What? Okay, here we go. I'm James Hatton. And I'm Podcast Rob. And we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games, and a whole lot more. Check us out at our home at somethingcast.com. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well. Proud members of Hashtag Potter and Family and ACPN, the art, comedy, and pop culture podcast network. Something, something. Okay, here we go. Hey, Geek Stuff listeners. It's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast. We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family. 
It's called the PyCast because we got married on Pi Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Pi Day Family, and my new Twitter handle is at Pi Day Scott. Check us out. What's up? This is Mikey T, host of the Failing Hollywood Podcast. I'm just a guy who plays with props behind the scenes. On our show, we have guests who also work behind the scenes, and we joke around, we drop names, we tell real on-set stories. We even play some film games, only on the Failing Hollywood Podcast, found wherever podcasts can be found. Build your own X-Wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars Saga. The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote-activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. And now, another classic Geek Stuff ID. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care. Hey, this is Jules State from Firefly. Hey, this is Marina Baccarin from Firefly. Hey, this is Joss Whedon, creator of Buffy and Firefly and Serenity and some other stuff. And you're listening to Big Kev's Geek Stuff, you geek. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. Geek Stuff TNG. Live from the sandwich shop, Pirated Productions in sunny Southern California and Big Hefuna Studios, it's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, you heard from our amazing sponsor, BuildXWing.com. This model is in 118 scale, making it the only fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with their three and quarter Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details, like that proton torpedo bay, working engine lights, and a light-up R2-D2. You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The S-foil is open in attack position. The laser cannons simulate firing, and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their do-do-do-do-do-do premium offer. You get 118 scale hangar accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates, tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including ground crew members and even Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll receive four full color magazines featuring instructions for the parts you've received. Fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies and more. You can collect these great source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or shows or conventions. And I don't need to tell you, the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is that you're paying a little each month, as well having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildxwing.com. Or reach them by phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. 
day. What a great way to start off a new year. Oh, sure. Again, I think it's important to note that my son got a Baby Yoda too, so now I can join Sandwich by feeling more comfortable when I'm nervous about recording a new episode. I can just clutch my Grogu, and it just you know takes away all the nerves, and you can just talk like an intelligent human being. Yeah, sometimes I need that. I think we put Kev to sleep. Do you want to talk about Harry Potter or The Matrix while he's asleep? No, not, no. Well, yeah, so let's talk about um, the Harry Potter. You know, it'd be great if the mic was in front of your face. <laughs> well done, Sandwich. Junior well producer done. Sandwich right there. Yep, there you go. Associate producer Sandwich. There you go. Unpaid. Unpaid associate producer Sandwich. <laughs> you have to make sure unpaid's in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about the Harry Potter reunion special on HBO Max. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was emotional, and it was uh, it was great to see all of those performers getting back together and talking to each other about the experiences of making those films over 10 years. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. And I mean, I mean, and you again, you may forget the level of talent that was in those films. And I don't mean the kids who I also think were enormously talented and certainly got more talented as they grew up. I'm talking about the, the creme de la creme of, uh, of British actors who appeared in those movies. And almost to a one, they said, well, my kid said, oh, you absolutely have to be in this movie, right? Like, so oh, every yeah. one of them, it was like, oh, yeah, I didn't had never heard of Harry Potter or I knew that these books were out there and it wasn't that big of a deal. But my kid said, oh, you absolutely have yeah. to do this. I like I like Ray Fiennes, who is like my sister has kids. And so I said to my sister, they want me to do the, something Harry Potter, Voldemort. And his sister was like, oh, my God, they want you to play Voldemort. You have to do it you know, and, and so on. And yeah, they're all stories like that. Like they talk about, I mean, so many things that I didn't know and don't get me wrong. The, if you got the wizards edition, enormous box that uh, geek stuff, the big Kev's geek stuff gave away several years ago um, at New York comic-con, I think two of them we gave away actually. Um, if you got that box set, there's enough supplemental material where you may have seen a lot of what was in that special, but without context. And now you're getting more of the context, which again, I think is just a brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant idea for a reunion. They talk about the casting process for the kids. They talk about, and I mean, the kids talk about the casting process for the kids. You know, and they talk about growing up and they talk about how, you, you know, what a wonderful relationship everybody who works on those movies still has. And you get to see what they look like all those years later. You know, like it's kind of amazing. You know, it really is. It really was just amazing. And it did give me the feels. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I'm I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm secure enough to say that I had the feels watching it. It's about an hour and a half, I think, which is great. I mean, they're reunioning, if you will, 10 years worth of movies. 
you know, with these with these people in an hour and a half, and you don't feel like you missed anything. I mean, yeah, they pretty much go from film by film as well. So it's like they they spread it out. They go the... they go director by director. Yeah, that's true. That was and a good then way they, to do it. Ex- with the exception of the last two films, which they talk broadly about. It's Dave, wasn't it? David Yates was the last one. Yeah, I, I think, think so. They talk broadly about him as a director for the last four films, whatever it was that he did, three films, four films. They talk broadly about him. And then they really do focus in on those final two films because it was so emotional for all of them for so many reasons. The series is ending. The story is ending. You've been part of these people's lives, each other's lives for 10 years. You know, there's barely a time in that 10 years when you're not part of each other's lives. And to see those three kids all grown up, coming together, still having this wonderful relationship with each other. I think also, and I've thought this as well because I've seen it represented in in, in, in other media and other formats as well. This sort of incredible relationship between Tom Felton and Emma Watson. That's Draco so Tom, Malfoy for the uninitiated. Yeah, Draco Malfoy and Hermione Granger, like they're in 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 life. They're, they're sort of madly platonically in love with each other, you know, and they're super close. And I mean, it's just so brilliant. What a great insight. And I think it was um, it was Sirius Black uh, who said, I think in the interview, it was Gary Oldman who said that, you know, this isn't atypical Hollywood experience. It's an atypical filmmaking experience because you come in. And you do your part and you're with people for a while and maybe you make some friendships and then off you go and maybe you'll never see these people again. And it wasn't the case for anybody who did these movies. You know, they all made, uh, you know, these incredible friendships, especially the kids, these incredible friendships and so on and so forth. And I just think, I think if you haven't done it and you liked the movie, you don't need to be a huge Harry Potter fan. You don't need to be even a moderate Harry Potter fan. Did you like the movies? Did you like some of the movies? Here's a really great insight into the filmmaking process, probably the way it should be, you know, rather than, you know, because I think from the presentation of this reunion, the, the Harry Potter films were an exception to filmmaking and not the rule. And what a shame that is, you know. Yeah, what a shame. I, I mean, even any franchise that goes on for with the same characters, but you then you add to it that it starts out at least as a very much kids movie, and they're children, and you get to watch them grow up too. So it's like you get literally two. You know, there's two things that just really make it special. Um, I think the one thing that that stood out for me it was I just really like to see. Uh, I think his, his name is Jason Isaacs, right? The Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, because again, Lucius Malfoy is such a, a mean character and then he's he just seems like this nice guy so again you know it's nice to see obviously he's a good actor right yeah and and uh and then uh the kane story right the kane story was good and and and, uh you know draco what's what's the actor's name felton what's his first tom felton tom felton he said he's all you know it's like it was like jekyll and hyde right as soon as they say cut he's this nice guy but as soon as they say action you know he's in character as this horrible father you know and then and all of that all that is coming out against uh, uh, Draco, and so one thing I thought that he said, 
that that his insight, Jason Isaac's insight, was that uh, Draco is really the hero of the piece because he's the one that had to make the hard choice to go against his family. He said, right. Dr- uh, uh, Harry doesn't make any hard choices. He's uh, the good moral character. He's just doing what is natural to him. But Draco right. had to ultimately go against his family, which was hard, you know, harder right. than doing the right thing that, you know, Harry was doing all along. I thought that was just an interesting insight from it as well. I like also sandwich. You have something? No, my apologies. Oh, uh, I had, uh, and now, and, and in fairness, sandwich hasn't seen this yet. So we're, we're not giving him too much crap about it. Um, but it, in, it, it also is, it's one of the things that I like also that also has previously been represented, but now it really, you kind of really get both sides. You get all sides of the perspective. And that was, and that was Emma Watson and Rupert Grint's kiss. Right. Because they show some wonderful behind the scenes of the fact that the two of them just couldn't keep it together when they were filming it. And that you get the director's perspective and you get both actors' perspective. And then they're talking to each other about it. And I love that Emma Watson has been completely consistent in saying the hardest thing that she had to do on any of these movies was kiss Rupert Grint. Because it's like it's like kissing your brother at that point. I mean, right? I mean, they were yeah. just they grew up yeah. together. They were friends. They were not in any way romantically related. Right. And then all of a sudden, after ten years of working together, okay, now yeah. you gotta gotta make out. You know, and it, yeah. but again, the fans have been watching this relationship, this romance and for I a love decade, the way and they were they, ready for it. Yeah, and I love the way they shared that in the reunion. They showed there's so many of those little moments in all of the movies, all of them between Ron and Hermione. There's so many of them. And I love that little montage they showed of all those little moments, you know, where I think it's David Yates is talking about how we've watched this relationship, whether you knew it contextually or not since the first film. Yeah. And then, you know, like it's constantly building and that the crescendo obviously is that they kiss and, and so on. And it's really Really, really, I just thought it was such a really wonderful presentation. Um, I also one of my one of my last things before uh, you know we move on to, to to the next thing. Danny Radcliffe, I call him Danny because you know I'm 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 cool. So uh, Daniel Radcliffe, um, Daniel Radcliffe talks about how they all still look better <laughs> than they look in the post in the post scene at the end of the last movie. So for those of you that have been asleep or never seen these movies at the very end of the last Harry Potter movie, they show, I feel like it's roughly 10 years, maybe 15 years in the future. I don't think it's actually defined, but based on the ages of the kids, I'd say we're looking at about 10 odd years in the future from the end of the story. They look into the future and, of course, Ron and Hermione are married and they have kids. They have little Weasley looking kids. And Harry is married to Ginny and they have, you know, their kids. And they're bringing their kids to the train station to go. I think it's Harry's son, Albus. I think yes. Isn't his name mm-hmm. Albus? Yes. Yeah. Severus. Albus Severus, yeah. Potter, right? Spoiler. Uh, spoiler think... for Harry Potter if you haven't read a book that came out, you know, a long, long, long. When I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. Hey, 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 the guy behind the curtain is just some guy from Kansas. 
Oh, jeez. If, if you haven't read the so, series yeah, from 1941. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing all the spoilers now. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, um, and it's, yeah, it's Al- Albus Severus uh, Potter's first day, I think, of going to Hogwarts. And they're all at the train station together and whatever. But they aged them up, the kids, to be appropriately aged. And so... Um, Danny Radcliffe says at some point he says, well, we still look better than we look in that scene, which is almost roughly time appropriate, which I thought was a really brilliant thing for him to say. Yeah, it's funny because that also reminds me of, you know, you see all the the screenshots from Captain Picard getting old in Star Trek The Next Generation. And then you look at Patrick Stewart and he still looks way better today. He's yeah. almost, he looks yeah. exactly then, the same as he did the, season one of older, The Next Generation. Yeah, then the, the eldered up Captain Picard. Yeah, yeah, yeah he really does. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was the Harry Potter. Check it out on HBO Max. I thought it was just brilliant. Just brilliant. Was there something else? I feel like there was another thing. I mean, The Matrix. You know, The Matrix Resurrection. Oh, no, no, no. Book of Boba Fett. Oh, and The Matrix. Oh, we should, yeah, we should get through those. We got time. We can we can blow through them because uh, book, well, let's do Matrix first. Meh. I mean, I felt like the way that they explained how to have a fourth Matrix movie was fine. And it was yeah. it was super meta. It It is bordering more on what I'm again, my concern with like Spider Man No Way Home having too much fan service and yeah. making it the story easy. Now, mm-hmm. Matrix is a little bit closer to ah, the story is suffering a little bit because there's too much fan service because we don't even really need this movie, right? Yeah, so and it, yeah, and and not only do we don't need this movie, but the the people who were not present were sorely missed, but the explanations for why they were not present made sense in the story i mean they make sense but do you you know do you want to have to explain why we got whoever that is playing morbius and not lawrence fishburne right do we want whoever that guy was playing smith it was jonathan groff of... man that was Kristoff from uh from frozen <laughs> yeah i don't care um it, yeah exactly see that's oh, that how was... much i cared the, the guy who was Morbius was Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen show. Yes, yes, he was. In the TV show. Yes. Yeah, I do remember that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, but do I care? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it, yeah, it's a plausible explanation and that's fine. But you know what? It's, they were still sorely missed, in my opinion. And, you know, and, and some of the new characters, like the new Matrix, as represented by, uh, spoiler alert, as represented by um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, I thought was kind of mm, meh. You know, there wasn't really a lot to sort of grip me. Really, I was looking to be gripped into a new set of films, and I'm kind of happy with the fact that I haven't heard anything about another film. Like, I'm kind of like okay. This was kind of a one-off thing, and okay, I guess I can see why they made it for a number of reasons, most of which was probably money. Money. Um, and, and yeah, and I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, anything else on the Matrix, boys? Before we before we tackle the the 600 pound elephant in the room. Nope. I was super uninterested in the in the movie. Did you you watch it though? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the, it was really, fun. really. I did it did not keep my interest. I no. watched it because me and my friends were watching it, 
Uh, we didn't pay to watch it. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't. Especially. I mean, because you saw it on HBO Max? Yes. Who paid yes. your HBO Max bill? My mother. Somebody paid for it then. My mama. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, all right. So let's talk about the much anticipated Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Really? I didn't like it. What didn't you like? And, and let me tell you why. Please and it goes do. back. I mean, we really, we probably should. We should probably change the name of this episode to Fan Service uh, West COVID Scott. I like that. Uh, because honestly, here is a really glaring example of two, of, of two convenient fan service. Basically, episode one of Boba Fett in flashbacks, mostly, tells us the story about how Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit. As narrated by uh, Patton Oswald in the filibuster scene from uh, Parks and Rec, right? Uh, was it? Is that the way it was? I, mean, I have no yeah, idea. He I've says, that. It, yeah, that's, oh, you should, you should look it up. He's basically trying to kill, he's filibustering, and so he starts talking about, okay, we open on Tatooine, and we see... Boba Fett's gauntleted hand coming up out of the Sarlacc pit. I mean, it's like right. I've seen I've seen the side by sides, and yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm I'm unaware of that. But uh, the point that I want to make here is that we see him inside of the Sarlacc pit, which obviously he needs to get out of, and there's a stormtrooper in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Why? We didn't see any stormtroopers go in the Sarlacc pit. And this isn't to say that a stormtrooper couldn't end up in the Sarlacc pit. But why right next to Boba Fett in the Sarlacc pit is there a stormtrooper, but there isn't Klaatu and Nitto and whoever else of Jabba's men fell in that pit during that fight scene? Where are they? Are we to believe that they have been digested, but maybe Boba Fett and the Stormtrooper haven't because what? Boba Fett's wearing a few pieces of armor? That doesn't follow. And obviously what they needed from that scene was for Boba Fett to be able to get what I presume is an air hose. Yeah. I've never seen those suits be sealed up. I've presumed they were just as open as Boba Fett's helmet. Where on earth did you ever see that there was some kind of hose leading to that helmet that had air in it? I've never times they got punched that. or shoved and something got messed up and the hose never went off before. I don't know. But all I know is I'm looking at it going, what the fuck is the stormtrooper doing there? A. And once they use the hose, I'm like, oh, really? That is what I mean. That's why he's there. That's his function. That's the stormtrooper's function is to provide the hose to Boba Fett that we've never seen a stormtrooper have before. Let's move on. For the first time in all the use of what is that technology called? The, the back to tank? No. <laughs> No, that was fine. Not the back to tank. No, I mean the special effects where they're shooting the giant screen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what that technology is. It's not is called. called the angle. I don't know why I keep thinking that. That's a Civil War Gettysburg reference, the angle. It's not the angle. It's the something, whatever it's called. It's where they're now using these enormous 
video like a giant like yeah yeah they have a name for it though i always forget what it is i don't know why just just doesn't stick one of you look it up anyway the point is for the first time and we're talking what three seasons of mandalorian have been using this because they've been using it since the beginning i have never felt ever felt like it was fake until the book of boba fett it looked like episode one, uh, or if you will, the prequels. It looked like the prequels effects. Like I knew they were in some sort of sandbox with Called a giant... stagecraft. I think. No, it has a different name. I can't remember what it is. I don't think it's stagecraft though. It's called the something. They're using the something now. The and big using... room that has all TVs everywhere. No, 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 no. It's one enormous screen. It's like my dream TV, (laughs) basically. Um, And I don't remember. It has a name, but I don't remember what it is. So the the point is, is that for the first time ever, it it, it didn't look right, especially when they were in the desert, when they're dragging Boba Fett through the desert. It just didn't look right. And and. I mean, again, we could we could do this all day. Why, when we see the armor on on Cobb, right, who's the sheriff who's using his armor because he bought it off the Jawas, that armor is fucked up. That armor is fucked up. How come it's so fucked up if it's only recently come off of Boba Fett and has made its way to whatever, Cobb Vance, I think that's his name, made its way to Cobb Vance and Cobb Vance just wears it for for intimidation, so it's not like he's fighting battles in it. Yeah, what, Why does it? What's the time frame between uh, Boba Fett losing the armor to the Jawas right after he crawls out of the Sarlacc pit, and then yeah. the Mandalorian? I mean, that's like not supposed long. to be years. Is, but, I mean, I don't I don't believe it's supposed to be years. I don't think it is. What's the yeah? Uh, here we can time it. Episode you, six to Mandalorian. It's not even to the Mandalorian because that scene takes place. One presumes right after Jedi, or you know, before maybe before Jedi ends. But I all I also of those events that... take place when Jedi, you know, presumably running concurrently with the second half of Revenge of uh, Return of the Jedi. Right, but I thought Cobb Vanth had the armor for quite some time enough to become the sheriff of this town that's what i'm asking that's what i'm asking we don't know how long the jawas had it but the jawas wouldn't fuck it up and then sell it yeah but i mean it could have gotten it could have gotten messed up with Cobb banth using it to be the sheriff right protecting the town what i uh, oh oh uh uh dot says five years mandalorian takes place five years after jedi so let's assume that uh, Boba Fett is wandering the the Tatooine for five years with the with the Sand People, and presumably we're going to see more of that. Yeah, I think so. Um, if if Cobb Vance had it for that long, I got the distinct impression in the Mandalorian Cobb Vance used this for intimidation, and that it, you he used it to avoid fights, not to engage in them. Okay, but I said I suppose it's plausible that that's not the case, and he did some fighting. That armor is fucked up by the time we see it in the Mandalorian. 
I mean, what's he fighting? Crate dragons all the time? <laughs> like it, you know, I mean, that's what it looks like, doesn't it? It looks like it's been at the bottom of a salt pond for, you know, for like 10 years. You know, it's fucking corroded. It's all fucked up. And when he loses it, it doesn't really look that fucked up. All right. I understand some people might view this as nitpicking. Fine. Uh, that's fine. But the problem that I have is it's there's a lot of these little things. Let's talk about the sand people. Why in all of the representations of sand people I have ever seen, they are all similarly outfitted. Even in the even in the product the pre-production art that they show at the end of the episode, the sand people look like sand people from episode four. Sam people from the prequels, Sam people from the sequels, the Mandalorian, Sam people from Mandalorian. Why do they all look the same except for the ones in Book of Boba Fett, who, by the way, are wearing black in the desert <laughs> so that you can tell which ones are which? Why, but why we already have canon on female sand people we have so much canon on sand people they all look the same let me remind you of something else that's bothering me now i i I don't think i'm wrong about this i haven't looked it up yet but isn't it obi-wan in episode four who says sand people don't take prisoners that's right he does and they had fucking two prisoners boba fett and the fucking greedo I can't remember that race, but that him, they, they had those, they, they, not only one prisoner, they had two, not to mention the fact that, you know, at some point, Anakin's mother was their prisoner. That aside, let's Uh, leave it aside because it's a fucking prequel. Let's leave it. Maybe they stopped taking prisoners when Obi-Wan got there. Greedo is a Rodian. Rodian. Rodian, Thank you. Yes. It's a Rodian. So they, so why do they take him prisoner? They don't take prisoners. And why the fuck didn't they kill him? I don't know, seven or eight times in that episode when he fucked around with people. When he fucked with the kid, why didn't they kill him? What, do they respect him? The fuck is he? Some dude. If it had been Luke, they'd have fucking killed him. <laughs> why? Why? It so that he could save the kid sense. later and, and endear himself to the sand people. Because in the Mandalorian, he has one of the their sticks, so he needs to. No, buddy I up get that, and, get and I get that, and I get, and I thought honestly, and again, here comes my head cannon versus what we've been presented so far, and this is just the first episode. My head cannon says that in order to survive on Tatooine, he disguises himself as a fucking sand people. That's what I assumed to be true. And the fact that I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we're going to find out that he has a black sort of sand people outfit when we see him in Mandalorian, because the I, I'm wondering if the, the sand people we see rather in Book of Boba Fett have black on because he has a black sort of sand people suit when we see him first in Mandalorian. Is that what they did? They had to retrofit it because they fucked up 
in Mandalorian and gave him black sand people clothes? I don't get it. I don't get it. And I also don't understand how I've waited 40 years to see the ruthless bounty hunter Boba Fett who doesn't take shit from anybody. That's how he was sold to us. And certainly that's how he has been presented. He was presented that way in the prequels, not the pre. Well, yeah, in the prequels, sort of based on Django and, and such how he was presented in the original films as a badass and how we saw him in Mandalorian when he fucking, he was amazing in that show. And what did we say when that came out 40 years waiting for the, for, for this Boba Fett to show up and what does he do? He's going around collecting money and letting guys off who don't have all the money. Right. He's got a, he's got a code now. Like, and and he's the, he's the, yeah, he's the, he's the, I'm a crime boss. I'm going to rule with respect. And what? His whole motivation, his whole motivation as a character, not motivation, his whole sort of thing as a character is been that everyone is fucking terrified of him coming after them. If you got Boba Fett coming after you, you were fucking scared. That's what I took away from every Boba Fett story I've ever seen, read, heard, etc. Now, I grant you, a lot of that has been decanonized. But you know what? It's still there. It's in the bones of the thing. But now he's like letting people off. You know, and they have to stop with every time he's physically beating someone with a stick that they go into that slow motion where we see Tamora Morrison's face, like his face skin just moving around like, you know, when he's got that. That's for the people on Patreon. I mean, the Patreon people really got their money's worth because, Kev, you really, you look like you're in slow-mo there. I, I'm going to stop talking so the camera goes back to you. Great for the audio listeners. Yeah. Well, look, what I'm saying is when they did it in Mandalorian, when he's just fucking snapped and is beaten stormtroopers to death with a gaffy stick, it was brilliant. Are they going to do this every time he beats somebody with a gun? Uh, uh, with with something other than a gun really like it's i i honestly guys i can't tell you how disappointed i am in this now it's episode one and we we can't take the whole of it based on episode one but as of right now i'm just i'm not feeling this show at all don move over to your right you're leaning apologies i I can't I I I I am terrified of what the rest of this show is going to bring us now. Now I'm terrified. So you're you're kind of selling me on those issues, right? And, and what I would say is even if they through the flashbacks show us how we got to this kinder gentler Boba Fett, right? Maybe he learned some things while he walked oh. on earth, right? That's that's got to be the way that it's going, but then that won't explain why the first oh, thing oh, we see wait. him do is walk in and assassinate Bib Fortuna. Right? He didn't give Bib Fortuna the benefit yeah. of the doubt. 
Right? He didn't he didn't rule Bib Fortuna with respect. Like, he like just comes in and kills him. He just and shot him. Yeah, exactly. And in that moment in the Mandalorian, we had that Boba Fett. And I don't know what happened between the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett, but they like pussified him a little. I think like a week and a half and you suddenly just stopped being him. And he's just like, okay, now I'm going to be a, a nicer guy. What? Why? You, it reminds me in some weird way of the way they were setting up. This might not make sense to anyone, but just, it feels like to me, like Vito Corleone in the first Godfather, where he was like an older guy who walked around with body. Why the fuck does Boba Fett need bodyguards when he could kill the entire fucking town if he wanted to? Don't know. Why is why he, he getting his ass? Why is he and the fucking chick, the assassin chick, why are they getting their ass kicked by six dudes with shields when Boba yeah. Fett literally has killed platoons of stormtroopers? Yeah, but he like, can't handle five guys with shields. In, the, in and the time of this movie, in the time of the show, he killed like two platoons of stormtroopers. But can't deal with a, guy, a, a five guys with shields and, and electro staffs. Fucking cattle prods and some and 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 garbage cans. You lost the cattle prods and garbage cans, Boba Fett. And then yeah. he's like, "Leave him I alive." I don't know. What? Why I don't are you know. Leaving them like this, just. And then I, I don't know how you felt about it, but the monster bit was just like what. The monster. I was bit like, for me. I, I mean, am I supposed to be like, wow, Boba Fett is really powerful, because he he killed the monster thing. Is it just there to sell a toy? I mean, well, I would. When is the I, Black I, Series maybe coming to Haslab? Yeah, the new Haslab is going to be well, that. Sand yeah, monster. that's it. I was about to say yes. Yeah, the next, so Has we can Lab. sell the Kid Tuscan Raider. Uh, no yeah, armor, exactly. Boba Fett. Only available in this Haslab, guys. The new Haslab is the Bantha Tank. <laughs> the Bantha. You can put yeah. any character you yeah, want no, in the Bantha no, Tank. No, no, back to tank, not Bantha. Back to tank. You laugh now. Um, you laugh now. And can I just point this out too? The, the Gamorrean guards in the original movies did not look like two fat guys with Gamorrean guard uh, masks on. And that's what they look like in this show. They look like somebody was like, okay, we got a couple Gamorrean masks. All right. Take off all your clothes except your underpants. And then someone get a brush and some green, like, tempera paint. And we're just going to, you know, we're just going to brush it on. That's what they looked like. They looked like shit. Not to mention the fact that they're useless. They looked like shit. And they were absolutely, why the, and, and I'm so with you on this. Why the fuck does Boba Fett need a bodyguard? Why the fuck does Boba Fett need a partner? At least Ming-Na is hot. You know, at least Ming-Na, they've established that character as being just badass. Her fight, scene, her fight scenes were pretty good. I, I mean, yeah, her fight the, scenes were great. She's a consigliere. Yeah, which is and, fine. And a little parkour going on, space parkour. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they call her like consigliere or something like that too? Didn't they actually use a mafia term in this in this episode? Daimyo. Oh yeah, it was a Japanese mafia term. Yeah. Yeah. That was if that wants to be the daimyo of this. I was like, which have what? they ever said that word? No. <laughs> no. They haven't. 
I, 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 I swear. I, I'm like, I'm beside I'm myself. Hopeful. I'm hopeful that this turns around. But I can't uh, see. I can't the, see the many saints of Tatooine possibly do to turn this around. And can I point this out too? It's Arrow. Oh, stop. yeah. You got no. you have half in flashbacks. Half no, you, no it is. No. That's the formula. The whole format is Arrow. No. If in five years, how did this happen? Him getting out of the Sarlacc pit and what is current in the Mandalorian timeline. Oh God! Aren't we getting Arrow Fett? No, stop, stop. Boba Arrow. You have failed, Tatooine. Yeah, seriously. I mean, isn't that what it is? It's the same fucking format. We're seeing how he became the Boba Fett of today through flashbacks of the trauma that created him. You know, that's that's what it is. Many Saints of Arrow Tatooine Fett book. No, I'm just Arrow. No, I'm Boba Arrow. I, I like I like Arrow Fett. Uh, you know, Green Boba. Although they don't really call him Green, and it's got to be Arrow Fett or Boba Arrow. You know, it's got to be one. Boba Arrow seems really funny if you just make it one word: B O B A R R O W. Boba Arrow. Arrow. Bobaro, yeah, Bobaro, yeah, Bobaro. Um, there you go. If you, if I mean, if you do that, it's I think it's funny, but it's the same fucking format. And guess what? They have five fucking years to fill, so this format doesn't have to go away. Well, that that would require this to get more seasons, which we'll see based off of the, how this season goes. Well, we're we're I locked mean, in for eight episodes. I don't. I don't even know. I mean, I don't know eight or nine. I think I, I. I don't know how they're resolving this in eight episodes because out of the gate, it's. I can't believe how so completely opposite this is. And again, yes, I have expectations. It's. It's. It's wrong. I feel bad about it, but I had expectations going in, and and I am disappointed because I had those expectations. I know it. You know it. We all know it. Anybody's been watching this character, reading about him, playing with his toy, whatever, for 40 fucking years have waited. And we got him in The Mandalorian. And then they fucked him up in his own show. I have expectations about this. I have had them. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed because in myself for having them because I should know better at this point. And two, because they have woefully failed to live up to even the minor expectations in the first episode. So there's that. Um, and I'm disappointed, like I said, in myself for having them, but I have them and, and they're not. And I don't see at this point after one episode, this is, this is so hard for me to say. I don't see after that episode how they recover from that. I don't see it. I don't see, I can't not see two kind of fat guys with green temper paint um, carelessly brushed on and wearing Gamora guard helmets. I can't not see Boba Fett and Sean, who we have seen take down, like Sandwich said, fucking platoons of stormtroopers. I can't see how they don't beat five, what, uh, what effectively looked to me like militia, 
with fucking the, the, the Star Wars equivalent of garbage can lids. Thank you for that sandwich. And fucking, uh, uh, fucking cattle prods. I, don't, I can't unsee the fact that he didn't wipe the floor with all of their blood. Didn't all he have like blood. fucking rockets in his knees? <laughs> yeah. That thing? Yeah, it is a thing. I cannot, I can't unsee. Fire. I can't unsee the fact that all of a sudden there are sand people, Tuscan Raiders who have different fashion sense. After the fact that I've been fed sand people nearly my entire life and they've always been the same. They've always been that th those color schemes, that design set always. I can't unsee the fact that in the desert scenes when they're dragging Boba Fett through that for the first time ever that whatever it is that it, I can't remember the name of uh, a special effect wall thing looked fake. Yeah, it looked episode one fake. It's not called the stagecraft. It's called they stagecraft. Call it That's the what they something. call it. No, it isn't. They call it the, the, some, it's not the stagecraft. It's like the, I keep saying, I keep going back to the angle from the Battle of Gettysburg. It's not that, but it's something along those lines, like the, like the warp zone, or, but I feel like it's one word, like the, you know, the, the, the something, I don't, I don't know. The point is, is for the first time, it looked like episode one era special effects where they had virtually no sets and virtually no on location shooting but was all just fucking green screen everywhere and they filled most of that shit in later that's what it felt like to me i can't unsee that i watched it a second time and to me it was worse the second time <laughs> so i challenge our listeners and you two boys to watch it a second time now that we've talked about it i challenge you to watch it a second time and then give us a call at the GVM line 201-730-2547. And let us know if you think we're way off base, mildly off base, not off base, or spot fucking on. Okay. I'd like to know. So it says here, formerly called Stagecraft, it's a 20-foot tall, 270-degree around, 75-degree across virtual filmmaking environment and they're, now they're calling it the volume it looks like the volume that's it thank god but formerly called see. stagecraft so yeah sandwich formerly, and i both had it right the, yeah i think they called it stagecraft on day one of mandalorian on day two they called it the volume so there you go um so yeah the volume for the first time ever the volume looked fake to me and not once but a, a few times a few times I also did not think that Boba Fett was suffering in the Tatooine sun at all. Yeah. I he looked that. clean as a whistle. He didn't look like he was suffering. He didn't look like he was getting sunburned. What, did he have sun lotion on? Uh, well, the uh, Sarlacc blood oh, is, a, is a natural. Uh... Just stop. It's like SPF 50. <laughs> exactly. It's just like it's SPF stop. That's what it is. SPF off. He looked like, did what did, did they drag him 30 feet from where they found him? Because I would accept 
the way he looked when they got to whatever the camp was, if it was 30 feet away from where they found him, I will accept the fact that he looked clean. They're, they're like a hundred. If you look behind the camp, they're like a hundred yards from, <laughs> from where they where. found him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's literally like, oh man, that was an arduous journey from over there where I can still see. <laughs> hey, do you, hey guys, can you see? I dropped a nickel over there. Can you see it? Did you I see the neighbor's see house there. blew up and then we had to take this dude out of his weird ground pet, dude? That yeah. Cool. Uh, oh, and you see, and there you go. There's another thing. Like the kid wasn't bad enough. We have their fucking dog also. And, and and oh, and that was another that was another dymo moment where they're using words like when he's like, "Hey, mate, uh, I'm I'm Boba Fett. I'm not I'm not from Australia." I did hear that, mate. I'm like that just mate, didn't hey, mate, fall down hey, easy, mate. He's talking to the fucking dog. Like, I look, I get it. He could be anything he wants, but for fuck's sake, who was that? What was that? <laughs> Oh, did you put yourself on mute because that little bastard brother of yours is in there? Listen to me, you little punk kid, if you can hear me. <laughs> you shut the hell up. We're doing a professional program here. When well, that light is on, when that broadcasting light is on, you don't come in here. You don't you make any noise. shut your mouth. What is your name, boy? Wait a minute. Let's, let's make sure we're ready for it this time. What oh, is your name, oh, geez. boy? No, no, I can't. Oh my god, no, I can't <laughs> get him over there, sandwich. Get him up to that mic. No, what is your name, boy? <laughs> oh, I don't have it. I'd have to get it again, it would take too long. Just move on. Yeah, all right. We can, you can do it in post. I'll do it in post. All let right, let the kid get up there and say his name. The kid's in the shower. What is your name? I am the sandwich. <laughs> Just saying it would have been funny. That's all. <laughs> anyway, the point is, uh, is, is I, I, I challenge everyone. Let's, let's wrap this up. I challenge everyone to watch the episode again. And of course, now we'll have the second episode. We won't be able to talk about that until, until next week. Um, well, we'll be able to talk about it. And then when the episode comes out, we'll have already talked about it because then the, the two weeks for films, kids, one week, for tv so and i'm I, I we have to i feel like still you know when they dump a show i feel like it should be like a week and a half they but... didn't they dump boba fett no, no just a, that's just a general statement i have no, no it's one per week you know well, no, they no, no. dumped you know no, what they dumped? general shows when they know, dump them. i know do you know what they dumped what cobra kai season four yes and it's fucking awesome again yes Again. And then they're leaked. They're doing teasers to pull away from Boba Fett for Umbrella Academy season three. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, I'm so sorry. I'm not that excited right now. Why? The Sparrow, the, the Sparrow Academy looks great. I don't know. Just something about it doesn't feel right. And I don't know if it's just been is too be long for me or if it's just like, I don't know. Is it because what doing. Page is a dude now? No, that, that's like girl. literally irrelevant to me because dudes For play some, girls, girls play listen, dudes. Listen, that was not a joke. There, there has been some. There are some people who are talking about the fact that 
it's it feels strange now because of that i mean for me that doesn't that won't affect my enjoyment of the show and it won't affect mine and it won't affect most people's no i i think i'm worried about how they take the sparrow academy and then also this is like the end of the comics because he hasn't written anything new with like a while so now it's right. like okay now where do we go well one presumes at least the rumor is that there is another book coming and that presumes another season would be coming yeah i hope i hope god willing god willing love that show um yeah so cobra kai season four however did drop and it's really really good and it's really really i mean it's it's funny and it's um interesting in the way that the previous seasons have been also where they're just kind of running fast and loose with the the sort of karate kid world if you will where every person in the valley apparently knows karate <laughs> the karate uh, universe or, or, or wants to know karate like i've never in my life have i encountered a place where people are like i live in hawaii and it's not like everyone's fallen over themselves to surf but, but, yet, but if you were in a movie or a TV show about Hawaii, everybody would be falling all over themselves. I mean, to surf. maybe, the, maybe, but that's it, what I mean. Like, that's he wouldn't jokingly be, be, he'd be big Kev Huna. No more big Kev. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's, I, I think it's really funny the way they're kind of playing up that angle where it's like, you know, all of a sudden they're talking to new kids and it's like, well, you know, the new kids got to get involved in karate because everybody in this town this valley in the valley man part of california apparently all these fucking kids do is is karate all they do is yeah, karate but in in so. the same way that every villain that pops up on arrow or i guess on the flash runs fast and it's the flash and, and every villain that pops yeah. up uh, you know to fight uh iron man is in some way technology related right i mean it's just that's just part of the story and and it's not necessarily a good device but it's like their their villains always match their powers no no i i get that i get why they're doing it i just find the whole tongue-in-cheek way that they're playing it i think is just really funny and i think that it's really entertaining and it's got all those nostalgia because now we got terry silva thomas ian griffith's character that would be from karate kid three kids for those who have seen the originals Terry Silva was a rich guy who was supporting, who was training Daniel. And the way they're playing his character now and the way they're playing Daniel's recognition of what this guy did to him 30 years ago is really brilliant. It's really, really brilliant. So again, check that out as well. I think that's, is that everything that dropped, I think, while we were off? I think that we haven't discussed. I yet. think so. I feel like I we think covered it all. Really major hit. Yep. All right. Next week, uh, be prepared for a tsunami of product uh, as the sandwich makes his way to the uh-huh. Geek Stuff TNG uh, mailbox, uh, uh, which will be our brand new feature: uh, sandwiches mail call. Uh, oh, do I need product make, mail call? Do I need production? Where, what's that? Do, oh, do I, I need mean, production? Yeah, maybe. maybe. If we can get like maybe like Mr. McFeely saying speedy delivery, <laughs> or if we can record the sandwich saying something along those lines. I don't know. Maybe you and I can work on I that. Just, I just uh, want to get the Blues Clues mail time thing. West COVID, <laughs> West COVID Scott and I will determine. Mail time, mail time, Dude, mail 
time. Hey, you forget that I have young children, so Blue's Clues has been on in my house over Christmas break. Here's so. the mail that never fills. It makes it want to wear my When it comes, I want to wear. What? And what? No one. And what? And no one understood the Mr. McFeely reference? Seriously? Kevin, if I was born in 1996. Scott, he was still on TV in 1996. I was watching Blue's Clues. <laughs> you were watching No Clues. You were also born in 96, Kevin. Are you not yeah. following the lore? And I, <laughs> the lore. I love it. <laughs> yeah. The folklore. The, uh, yeah. That's hysterical. That's to, hysterical. So, so Mr. McFeely's from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, right? Thank you. Yes. And to show Which you, it's still on, by the way. Well, it's 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 evolved. It, for those of you that don't have kids, when I first oh, got yeah, kids, we would start. Yeah, we would. I would start. You know, playing the just have the smart speakers because I don't want to say her name because she'll start talking in the middle of the episode like she did earlier. But when you have the smart speaker, and you say, "Hey, play kids music," it would play songs, and all of a sudden I hear Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, and I'm like, "That's just ripping off Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood." I didn't realize that Daniel Tiger was Mr. Rogers' little puppet. Now that Mr. Rogers is gone, it's now an animated show that, yes, that covers Daniel the same Tiger. ground that Mr. Rogers used to cover. And now I've seen it with my kids, and it's pretty good. Yes. But at first, I was like, yes. who the hell ripped off Mr. Rogers? And I was pissed. Are you only are you only hearing us in your headset? Who, me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm only hearing you in the headset. Oh, so okay. you can say it. So you can't make it. You can't Alexa, make her talk. Alexa, play death metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Although, I think that if you were to say her name, and to play Geek Stuff, the podcast, we would play. So cool. give it a try. Are you, are, are you leading us into the plugs? I think we should do that. Uh, you know, So be sure that you are following the show and playing us through your smart speaker or subscribe to us on whatever sure. uh, podcast app you tend to use. Um, be sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Kevin's doing a real good job over on the Facebook uh, posting lots of stuff. Uh, we're going to get better at mirroring that over on the twitter and the instagram yeah yeah we're gonna do that that's uh, one of our that's one of our resolutions in 2022 is oh, to man. be more we want to be more og social media savvy speaking <laughs> of og is he gonna come talk about uh, wheel of time soon i know i reached out to him He's, he just has a lot going on so uh you know i'm working on it Yep. He's a he's a hard one to land. He's a busy lad. You know, he's got lots of things, got lots of uh, pokers in the fire, as they say. So, uh, you know, I'm working on it. Busy guy. Yeah. If, a lot of stuff going on. In the meantime, if you'd like to talk to us about any of the things we mentioned today or Wheel of Time, or you want to, like, record a question for OG when he gets here, call the GVM line. 201-730-2547. Or send us an email. At geeksoftng at gmail.com. And you may hear yourself on a future episode of Geek Stuff TNG. And finally, Ooh, oh yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, and then finally, be sure to support us over on the Patreon. We really do appreciate it. Uh, it's patreon.com slash geekstufftng. Running back through that one more time for a dollar a month, you get access to the Discord server for $3 a month. It's the early bird special. $5 a month, it's the bonus round. And for $10 a month, you can watch us live as we record this episode and all of the shenanigans that go on on the Instagram live of which there are plenty there are plenty and, and then I will uh, as we're listening to the lovely wrap up music in the background I will say um, if you want to follow me I am at Pide Scott on Twitter and at Pide Scott one on the Instagrams and uh, I will hand it over to Sandwich you can find me on Instagram 
and in theory xbox one is still plugged in no at fat Dumbledore it doesn't matter oh i'm sorry <laughs> d-o-m-b-l-e-d-o-r-e watch out i might be playing fortnite soon whoa on come on that's not fair it's cross play sir we could play together still well you know they have that thing called duos where you and i could literally play together as a team i know i'm killing it on that game i believe it and i i was talking to people the other day and i'm like i'm having so much fun playing fortnite i never thought i would have so much fun playing fortnite right and i'm i'm killing it like i win i'm not exaggerating i win a lot and i am top 10 I think nearly every time I play, I'm like top five nearly every time I play, right? Yes. And then somebody had the audacity to point out to me that you're beating up fourth graders. Well, <laughs> I mean, Sometimes. isn't that all? I was like, any, hey, any a win online is game? a win. <laughs> a win is a win, people. I don't the, care if they're in the fourth grade. A the, win is a win. The best and worst part. And just because of- these kids run and gun and have zero strategy, not my fault. As someone who grew up in this generation of like being a young kid with online access, as you get older, it's always funny when someone kills you and you're an eight-year-old, you suck, you suck, I banged your mom, you blow. I don't have any of that turned on. I don't Not, hear anybody. In Fortnite, that doesn't happen, but some other oh, games. That yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we, how much experience do we have with that sandwich, with Red Dead and with yeah. uh, and GTA, especially you God suck. forbid. God forbid the GTA the the server sound on because it's like it's a string of sexist bullshit out of the mouths of babes and I don't mean babes like hot women I mean babies like like nine year old last week and given an Xbox we need to take it into the real world how many five year olds can Kev take on at one time that's what we want to know there was a website where you could you could plug the in one hundred. The answer is one hundred West COVID Scott, and I can do it in Fortnite, and I can kick <laughs> all of their five year old asses. There was a website where you could do that. You could plug in your height and your weight and all that fun stuff, and you could figure out how many five year olds you could fight in a fight. When I was eighteen, I could fight fourteen. <laughs> and now you're I down checked. to ten. Now you're down to ten five year olds. I got I got to get my numbers back up. <laughs> Not me. Not me. I'm slaughtering five-year-olds in Fortnite, slaughtering them. I'm literally walking up to them, sticking the shotgun in their mouth and pulling the trigger. And where can we find you doing that on Xbox, Kev? You can find me at Big Kev GS. By slaughtering five-year-olds on right Fortnite. On, you know, and we'll get, at some point uh, uh, in 2022, we're going to have our little, we're going to have our, our our ducks in a row and going to have our little uh, watch watch us play games together thing happening over on Twitch. You'll see. You'll see. And uh, yeah, and then you can see, you can see me slaughter children in Fortnite because I bring it every single time. The younglings. I play. The younglings. Time. Every time. I'm Master Cat, what are we going to do? And by the way, and by the way, the other day, the other, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this, and it's kind of it, 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 it may bounce back to hit me, but I bought a skin. First time ever I bought yeah. a skin. You know what skin I bought? Which one did you buy? Fucking Book of Boba Fett. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Fortnite, it looks cool. 
I have oh, a lot of stains on my Fortnite account. I have zero. That's the only one. And I did it because I've been saving those V-Bucks forever. Yeah. And I had enough to buy, like, the set from Boba Fett. So I got the whole kit. For those who don't know, they gave you, like, pennies. And he saved up his pennies to get a whole dollar. Pretty much. That's what happened. Pretty much. Usually I'm like, whatever the free shit is, I'll make it work. But I was like, I got all those V-Bucks. I had, uh, and I still got a bunch. I had a ton of V-Bucks. And I was like, oh, Boba Fett. Ooh, you know what? It's kind of like green and black and it kind of can blend in which is what these fucking kids who get these skins that glow and like show everybody where you are you know like it's i just don't think they have no strategy anyway and with that folks big big kev gs over there and bk geek stuff everywhere else uh and yeah and with that we will bring this first episode of our uh, 2022 coverage of the world of geek culture to a close, uh, the way we end some shows by saying, Good night, Derek J. Wyatt. Wherever you are. And on that note, we cue the music. Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way My hat is off Won't you stand up and take a bow
Good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. <laughs> <laughs>